Good morning. All uh, woke up from the cold? I hope so. It's awesome out there, right? It's awesome. Okay, we're talking about being bold. We've been working our way through uh, this idea of what it means to be bold, and I'd like to take you back to <clears throat> when I was, uh, I was 16 years old. And so try to think of yourself when you were 16 years old, what you were doing, kind of responsibility you had, uh, maybe someone you know now who's 16 years old. Um, and my dad uh, took me out to the Farron Barn. The Farron Barn is where uh, mama babies have little babies. That's called farrowing. And the, the barn was probably twice as big as uh, this auditorium. And probably in today's numbers would be worth 70, 70 to $100,000. And he said, okay, we're going we're gonna to wire the barn. And so we want to run four different rows of outlets. And uh, this is how you wire an outlet. This is how you run the wire and staple it. And uh, he spent about maybe 45 minutes with me explaining that. And then he said, okay, um, come get me if you have any, any trouble. And uh, off we go. And uh, I went to work on that project, which in terms of the fact of, of realizing that uh, the electricity burns down barns quite often and different time, things that can happen. Like, okay, what, what, was, what was going on there? Well, I think it has something to do with presence. I think it has to do with my dad's presence. And as believers, when I am in the presence of God, I can do what seems impossible, what looks like impossible. Now, don't get me wrong. This is important. This isn't the message of you can do anything. It's actually not true. But there are a lot of things a lot of bold things that you're called to do that look impossible. They feel impossible. I can be bold while everyone else is running around in fear. They're blaming, they're tripping, they're breaking, they're destroying, they're screaming, or they're hiding in the corner. But I can be bold. God's presence makes my heart so alive. His goodness always wins. The earth, the physical. The physical is just a background to live the spiritual life in. It's, a, it, it's just, it's a tool in my life. My marriage is a place for me to give, not to get. My job is a place for me to grow and to serve. And my ministry is joy. It's full of joy. My kids are an incredible gift. And an amazing responsibility that I do not deserve, but I love giving all I have to build their character, build character in them. God's presence brings incredible boldness. But we have two questions we're going to ask today. One is this, who is your God? Who's your God? Who is your source of truth? Remember when we put the tree up there, down at the roots, you had the absolute truth, the things that are, at, they are true. It's what you build everything on. Who do you go to for truth? Absolute, like that is true. Who's your God? Who is your source of life? Do you remember being a teenager and remembering that you said, if I could only have this. That's all I want. That's your source. If I could have that, that's my source. 
if I could start on the varsity team, if I could, if I could, that's my source, that's my life. Who's your God? And secondly, who is your high priest? Now, the high priest thing is a, is a little odd for us. Uh, we don't really actually tend to think in terms of high priest, although we experience it, or priests we experience all the time. No matter who your God is, you need a priest to be able to go to that God. You experience this on a very practical level in life. Some of you have people that you admire, that you would love to meet one day. So why don't you get in your car and go to their house and knock on the door? Because you need a priest. You need somebody who knows you and knows that person so they can bring you into their presence. In your work, at your job, if you work for a big company, there's a CEO somewhere, you're like, I'm going to go talk to the CEO. Yeah, really? You're going to go knock on the door of the CEO? Uh, no, you're not. You need to know somebody who can bring you into the presence of the high priest. And all over the world, for all of mankind, every God that people have had, there has to be a high priest. There has to be someone that will take you into their presence. And so we are going to uh, begin to, we're going to come back to chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 4. That's where we, we ended last week. And we're in, at the very end, there's this, this paragraph. That's where we're going to start. It's the foundation of what we're going to talk about today. And then, we're, and then in chapter 5, it talks a little bit more about it. And so <clears throat> today is some fairly, it's some fairly heavy teaching. So if you need to, put your seatbelt on. Let's go. Here we go. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us home, hold firmly to the faith we profess. Why would we hold firmly to this faith? Because you have this amazing high priest. What is the faith that we have? The faith that we have is that we are sinners. We, we can't get to God. We do not have access to God. Why? Because our sin separates us from God. We cannot go into his presence. Even so, if we did go into his presence, it would kill us. It would kill us. Because you, you cannot, a sinful person cannot walk into the presence of God. But Jesus came, took all of our sin upon himself. He died. After three days, he rose from the dead, overcame sin, and offers to be our high priest, whereby he would touch God, who is holy and pure, and he would touch us and bring us into God's presence through forgiveness and giving us righteousness. That's what we profess. He says, <clears throat> now this great high priest, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness. Wait, wait, wait. he understands your weakness. Now, be very clear about this. Weakness and mistakes are not the same thing. Weakness is, I know to do right, but I do not do it. Weakness is, I know exactly the right thing to do. I know the best thing to do. I know the bold thing to do, but I don't do it. I fall to temptation. He says he can understand that. And he's going to talk a little bit more about, later about why he can understand that. For we do not... For we have one who has been tempted in every way, 
just as we are, yet he did not sin. He knows temptation. He knows physical weakness. He, he had a human body. He went through real temptation, real struggle. He says, then he tells us what to do. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Confidence is the exact opposite of uncertainty. To be bold, you need confidence. Confidence is kind of the foundation to boldness. It's the opposite of uncertainty. He says, the throne of grace with confidence. We can go to this high priest with confidence that he will bring us into the presence of God. So that we may receive mercy, find grace to help us in our time of need. So then he, he goes on, he, he walks through why Jesus is this great high priest. And he teaches us, it's, it's almost in a, in a lawyerly way, he teaches us why Jesus is this amazing high priest, why he can connect us. It says, every high priest is selected from among the people and is appointed to represent the people in matters related to God. To offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. Every high priest, that's your job. Your job is to connect the people with God. So they offer these sins and sacrifices. He says, he is, he is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray since he himself is subject to weakness. In other words, a high priest would not be self-righteous. A high priest would not come and go, I can't believe you've done that. Oh, I would never do something like that. What's the matter with you? No, why not? Because the high priest struggles with weakness too. He sins too. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as the sins of the people. Before he offers sacrifices to bring you into God's presence, he has got to do his own sacrifices first because he has his own sin. Now listen, no one takes this honor on himself, but he receives it when called by God, just as Aaron was. This is super important. For some of you, when I say priest, like that's a bad word. It's a bad word not because of what God has done. It's a bad word because men have taken the honor of being a priest. God did not make them priests. God did not put them in the role of a priest. They said, I want to be a priest. They stepped into that role, and then they became self-righteous. They then said, we are above the people. And that has created all kinds of hurt and devastation. And it's caused many people to look at priests that way. He goes on to say, In the same way, Christ did not, make, did not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus did not go, I want to be a priest. I, I want to do that. I want to be, I, yep, that's what I want to do. I want the glory of being a priest. And a man should never do that either. He says, but God said to him, so God calls him to be this high priest. You are my son. Today I have become your father. And he says in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Say that, Melchizedek. Melchizedek. It's a fun word to say, Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a priest who came before 
the Jewish or Hebrew priesthood. So for a Hebrew who's reading this, this is a big deal. Because they think all priests are Hebrew priests. They think all priests come from Aaron, who was the original Hebrew priest, Moses and Aaron. And Melchizedek actually came before even Abraham. He was a priest before Abraham. So for the Hebrews, like, wait, I thought it all started with, it all started with Abraham, right? No. There was a priesthood that existed before that. It represents the eternal priesthood. And you can read about Melchizedek in Genesis. It, he says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears. So Jesus, in his human and godly form, in his human form, he is going before God. He needs God the Father to do something. He needs the power. He needs the presence of the Father. He says, in tears, to the one who could save him from death. You remember, before he died on the cross, he said, God, God the Father, is there any other way? Actually, he comes back. He does it three times. He comes back. He comes back. Is there any other way? Is there any other way? Because the worst possible human way to die is crucifixion. Is there any other way? And he was heard. Because his re of his reverent submission. What? He was heard because of his humility. Because his role was to obey the Father. He submitted to the Father. His role was to give his life, to take this step. Now, this is foreign to us when it comes to boldness. What we're used to in boldness is, I won, I'm strong, I'm right. Most of us are most bold when we know we're absolutely right. Husbands are most bold when they know they're wrong, but they're not going to lose. They're not going to lose. Right? You are most bold because you have superiority, because you have skill, because you are more important, because you're right. Not Jesus. He was submissive. He is reverent submission. He revered God the Father and submitted to him. Now the next few things, if you grew up in church, the next few things are a little crazy. Like, like it's hard to grab a hold of this. Son though he was. Listen to this. He learned obedience. Wait, time out. How does Jesus, who knows everything, learn anything? How, wait, I thought he was fully God. God knows everything. He's all-powerful. He all-knowing. He omniscient. He knows everything. How could he have learned something? It, it gets, he goes even further. He goes, from what he suffered. Wait, the suffering of Christ, he learned something in that suffering. And he says, and once made perfect. Wait, how, how does Jesus, who is fully God, be made perfect? It means complete. 
It doesn't mean that he was morally imperfect. It doesn't mean that something needed to be added to him. It means he experienced something. He learned what it was like to be in the flesh, to be tempted, and to submit, to choose to submit to that suffering and that place. The boldest thing that ever happened was Jesus putting himself on the cross and not taking himself off. The most bold thing that's ever happened in the universe was Jesus going to the cross, taking that step of obedience, and once he got there, not stepping back off. He was bold. He became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek forever. Now let's, let's review this and see what we learned. Uh, here's four things that we learned. I, you may have learned some more things along the way, but here's four things that we learned along the way. Here we go. Only Jesus can you bring you into the presence of God. Only Jesus can bring you into the presence of God. Why? Number one, he was chosen by God, the Father. Therefore, he's legitimate. He is the legitimate high priest. He wants to be, he is offering to be your high priest to bring you into the presence of God. Two, he never sinned. Therefore, he can bring us into God's presence. He never sinned. Therefore, he can touch God the Father. He can be in the presence of God the Father, wholly in the presence of God the Father. He belongs there. Number three, he has experienced weakness of the flesh. Therefore, he is accessible to us. He can be in the presence of God the Father and touch us. He can touch us and bring us into God's presence. Now, if you're sitting next to somebody you do not know, don't do this, okay? But if you're sitting next to somebody you know, touch them. Just touch them. Touch is amazing. <laughs> touch is amazing. Some of you are friends, and that touch meant something. It did. It meant, like, when I told you, you're like, that meant something. Something happened. You communicated something. Some of you are married. And some of you are happily married, and that touch meant something. Some of you are not happily married. That touch meant something else. Some of you want to get married. Oh, that touch. That was awesome, right? That was awesome. That's an awesome touch. I like that. Pastor Chris, thank you for letting me touch her in church. That's awesome. It means something, right? It just communicates something. He has experienced the weakness of the flesh. In your weakest moments, this is wild. In your weakest moments, because he experienced it, he learned it. In your weakest moments, he can touch you. 
and bring you where you need, which is the power and the presence of God. Number four, he operates from humility. Therefore, he is unstoppable. I'll say it again. We, most of us believe that where you operate when it comes to boldness is strength. That guy, he's so strong, he's so bold. Not Jesus. See, there's a problem with operating from strength when it comes to boldness. As soon as somebody bigger and stronger comes along, you're going to lose your certainty. As soon as the world starts to shake fast enough and hard enough, as soon as they come with either persecution or pressure or money, if you operate from your strength, you will crumble. You'll fall. But Jesus operates from humility. He operates from this place. I am here to obey the Father and to love you. And it doesn't matter how much money you have. If you lose every penny you have and you have to go to a soup kitchen to eat, you have to come to my house to eat, you can still obey the Father and love people. For those of you who are married, you have said to yourself a thousand times, I can't love them because... Right. Your boldness comes from your own strength. When your boldness comes from humility, it's not about you. This wasn't about Jesus. It can go really bad, and you can still obey the Father and love. He's unstoppable. There are no circumstances that shake, that stop him because he operates from humility. Here's our big idea for today. Here's our big idea. I am wimpy or harsh when I have to prove myself. Oftentimes, we connect boldness with proving yourself. When I have to be the hero, when I have to get respect, when I have to get the results that I want. Right now. I am bold when I spend time in the presence of God. I am bold when I spend time in the presence of God. This is an absolute truth. Through Jesus, who touches me in my weakness and touches God in all his goodness at the same time. You may think that you need to get yourself in order and you need to become a better person and you need to, there's all these things you need to do so that you could enter into the presence of God. No. What you need is humility which says, I don't deserve to be in the presence of God, but someone is offering to be my high priest. Another way I want to say is this, boldness is not about you. It's not about you. 
But it is about the presence of the Father who loves deeply. Humility is the secret weapon to boldness. Boldness, from, from a picture standpoint, is two things. One, it's the ability to stay in place and stay where, what is right and true and good when everybody else wants you to move. In my life, I've been in this place a number of times. I've been in this place a number of times where I've taken a stand that this is right, that this is good. And people will come along and go, no, no, I just need you to move. This is causing friction. This is causing problems. We're trying to do the good thing here, and you're in the way. I need you to move. If you have children, you've experienced this. This is what's right. Okay, I got it, Dad. I got it. We've lived this way for five years. I got it. But I just need you to move this much. If you'll move this much, all this friction we're having between us, Dad, goes away. I will be happy if you'll just move this much. And if it's about you, all that has to happen is one log and then another log and then another person and then another. All the, it all builds up. And if it's about you, you will listen and you will move. But if it's about obeying the Father and loving people, you'll never move. Why? Because it's super, super clear. I need to obey. The best thing I can possibly do, no matter what your argument is, the best thing I can possibly do is obey the Father. It always brings righteousness. And number two, if I move, I'm going to compromise my love for you. I'm going to do something that will hurt you. The second is the step. God asks you to take a step. To, to, to move somewhere, to step into something. And the same thing's true. If it's about you, you're not going to take that step. If it's about you, you're going to calculate, you're going to calculate the consequences. You're going to calculate, wait a minute, is this going to work out for us? How is this going to work out for you? You're going to calculate the results. Will I get what I want? Boldness is not about you. It's about God has asked me to take this step. Can I trust him? So, he asks us to do what? He says, listen, I want you to come confidently to your high priest, Jesus. I want you to come to Jesus, your high priest. So I want to say again, Who's your God? Who's your God? Now, the next piece is really important. You may be under the false idea that God needs you in his presence. You may be under the false idea that God is like, he is so happy you came to church today, that God was in heaven this morning, and he was sitting there, he's like, I hope they come. Oh, I hope they come. I need them to come to church. No. You may interact with your day-to-day -day life. Because you'll meet people many times. They're like, listen, I, I, tell me about God. Tell me about your relationship with God. I pray a lot. I pray a lot. 
And you can just tell in the tone of their voice, God is so happy with me because I pray. And he needs me to pray. It says, come boldly unto Jesus into his mercy. Mercy is when you do not get what you deserve. You need God. He doesn't need you. Jesus did not come to earth because he needed you. Many times people are like, yeah, Jesus, he died for you because you're so special. You're so amazing. No. No. He came to give you mercy, which is, when I go into God's presence, right, I don't deserve to be there. I don't deserve to be there. What I deserve is punishment. I deserve eternal punishment in hell forever. That's what I've done with my life. That's who I am. And he offers me mercy. So if you are approaching it that, that you don't need God, none of this matters. It doesn't matter. It means that you're your God. Or some other thing is your God. Now, emotionally, we always need God, but emotionally, for me, as I was walking through this, I was like, oh, I know, I know exactly when this happened emotionally. It's when we heard that Olivia had a tumor in her brain. At that moment, I was trying to figure out how to get into the presence of God because I needed God to do something. I needed him. I needed him. Now, it is true on a day-to-day basis, I need him. But in that moment, and, and coming boldly to Christ starts with I need to be in the presence of God more than anything else in all of the universe. I need to be in the presence of God. It also means this. I have nothing to prove. Bold people have nothing to prove. It's not about them. I'm not going to stand here because it's about me. Again, parents, if you get ticked off at your kids because they disobey you, you've made it about you. It's not about you. If you're going to stand up and do the right thing, the boldness, I don't have anything to prove. Why? Because Jesus is the one who proves me worthy. The second is grace. What's grace? Grace is when I've been given something I don't deserve. I've been given something I do not deserve. And when Jesus came to, the cro- came to the cross and he died for us and he offers me forgiveness, I don't deserve it, but he wants to give it to me. Jesus died on the cross and he took my sin and he says, I want to give you righteousness. I don't deserve it, but he wants to give it to me. So, if you are living your life believing that you are producing these great things, 
You're doing these good things. And that God is writing all these good things down that you're doing. And then one day you're going to stand before God. Movies kind of show this, right? You're going to stand before God and you can't wait. I mean, you can't wait. Like, man, I remember I gave this money. Oh, remember that time I went to church 52 times in one year? He, uh, he's going to write that. Out. It's, it's, he's going to write that down. Oh, and the way I love my children. Oh, oh, all the sacrifice I gave for my children. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be incredible. At work, everybody else stole a pencil. Not me. I put my pencil back. It's going to be awesome. That's not what's going to happen at all. And you, you, you may have interacted with me. Like, you know, you know me. You're like, man, Pastor Chris, he's done this and he's done that. That's not what's going to happen. When we stand before God and this happens, we're going to watch. Wait, Jesus gave me that by grace? He did that in my life by grace? He used me by grace to touch that person's life? He did that in my... Wait, it's all a gift? Everything good in my life. Everything good in my life that's going to last for eternity was a gift that he gave to me. It wasn't something that I proved. It wasn't something that I earned. It wasn't something, my results. Yeah. See, bold people don't live for results for the day. They don't. People who go, I will stand, but then move, they live for results. Why? Because I stood and I didn't get the results I wanted. And so I moved. Bold people go, no, no, no. This isn't about me. This is about I obey God. And I love the people I love. Jesus is my proof. Jesus is my results. The last thing he says is, For help. He says, let us then approach God's grace, throne of grace, with confidence so that we may receive mercy, find grace, and help us in our time of need. Help us in our time of need. Now, if you don't need help, this doesn't make any sense. If you're tooling through life and you got another God and you got another high priest, there's a number of people that, that you, you have high priests. Like in our culture, there's high priests all over the place. Uh, people on the news, they think they're high priests. And maybe you treat them that way. The experts, they're going to tell you how to live, right? And you're going to go, okay, I'm going to find life by following what they do. That's what I'm going to do. So if everything's hunky-dory, you, you don't really need a high priest. You don't need Jesus. But if you're going to walk into the fire, you need a high priest. What do you mean? I mean, 
If you're going to walk into your boss's office and go, sir, I've been convicted. I'm not taking care of my wife and my kids the way I should. I will come in at 4 o'clock in the morning if I need to, but I have to leave at 5. I'm doing it. You, you, you need help. See, if you, as a husband, and you got this issue with your wife, and it's, you're scared to death of the conversation. You're scared to death of it. You tried it a few times, and you stuck your toe in, and she cut your toe off. She, like it was bad. You don't know how to have the conversation, so you've backed up, and you've backed up, and you're like a turtle, right? You have a shell, and you have a head inside the shell, right? And that's, you won't stick it out. Now, if you're going to be a man who leads his home, then you're going to walk into the fire. You need help. This is not about you being a man, you're tough, oh, I'm No, you need help. You need someone to be able to go, listen, you stand where it's right, and I will take care of you. You need someone who says, if you take the step I'm asking you to take, I will help you. I will take care of you. That's Jesus. If you're going to raise your children not to be afraid, which means you will stand against almost every expert out there. If you're going to raise your children to be bold and to live a free life, you're going to stand against most of the people you know. Because it's become very, very, very common that the most important new thing you do in a child's life is you make sure they never get hurt. You make sure they never experience a bully. You make sure they never experience anything bad in their life. That is opposite of what Jesus experienced. God led him into suffering. And he grew. And he suffered. And now you get to go to heaven. And I get to go to heaven. Sometimes, sometimes the step, the boldness is tiny. It's tiny. Like anybody else would watch it, you, would, you don't even want to tell the story. You don't want to tell the story because it's like you're making a big deal out of nothing. Those are really important times where it wasn't about you. I didn't do it to prove something. I didn't prove it. I didn't do it to get results. I did it. Because that's what God called me to do. And I was scared to death. I needed his help. I needed his help. Jesus offers to be your high priest. No matter what you're going through, no matter what weakness you're in, no matter where you are, he's got his hand touching the Father. And he's got his hand out to you. Will you bring your sin? Will you bring your weakness? Will you bring your failure? Will you humble yourself?
You don't need to be strong. You don't need to be powerful. And you don't need to be right. You need to be humble. And say, Jesus, I will reverently submit to you. And he wants to touch you. And he wants to bring you into God's presence. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm going to pray for every man who is married, has the potential to get married. Even those who say, I will never get married. But that's not your plan for them. I want to pray for every woman. Same situation. That they would wrestle with who their God is. They would be honest with themselves. Lord, help them to be honest with themselves. That there is only one God. It is the God of creation. It is the God of the Bible. And then, Lord, make it crystal clear. We need you. We need your presence. Lord, I pray for you to then put before every man and every woman what it means to be bold, where they need to stand for what's right, where they need to turn away from not just sin, but things that distract them. They, they already know what it is. You've already talked to them about it. They know what it is. They're thinking about it right now. Make it crystal clear that what they need is not strength. What they need is your presence. Look them right in the eye and say, come, come, come. Humble yourself. Come into my presence by Jesus Christ. In your name we pray. Amen. I forgot to finish. Took me about three weeks to finish that barn. My dad's presence, my dad's gone now. My dad's presence was part of me moving to New Jersey. It, it was part of me starting this church. Now, I'm fortunate. I had a dad who could be like that. But what my dad taught me was, hey, don't ever depend on my presence. You need to trade me in for God the Father. I don't care what kind of dad you had. God the Father wants to be your dad. He wants to bring that presence into your life. Now we have a ministry fair here, and you may be thinking, ah, oh, ministry fair. Again, wow. God needs me. God needs me to serve him. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need you. And if you're, if you're going to sign up for ministry because you think God needs you and you're doing God a favor, don't do it. God doesn't need you, and we don't need you. But you need ministry. You need ministry. You need to step into the fire. You need to give your life to Christ. You need to experience God's presence. And every time you experience God's presence, he calls you into ministry. And some of you are that. You're like, no, I, I think he needs me. 
Check out the ministries, be nice. Maybe even act like you're gonna sign up, but don't do it. For others of you, you don't think you have what it takes. You don't think you can teach. You don't think you can serve. You don't think you have the time. No, no. God will prove you. Jesus will prove you. Jesus will prepare you. Jesus will give you grace. He will produce results in you. But you got to sign up.